So why don't we stand together and join this, this family that leads us in standing. Hallelujah. <laughs> uh, Philippians 2, starting at verse number 17. Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. Everyone seeks their own, not the things which are of Christ. But you know his, Timothy's, proven character, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once as soon as I see how it goes with him. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. Father, your word is wonderful. Your word is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. May your word be rightly divided today and proclaimed and preached this morning. Anoint me, Lord, that I may share the things you put on my heart. In the process, Lord, let your Holy Spirit move in our hearts. Let your presence and, and your word cut our hearts today. Let it cut our mind and our thoughts, our, our intents of our heart. And may your will be done with it. Lord, change us for the better because of this word this morning. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. I just want to say something here. Verse number 22 I think is really important. Oh, you could be seated. That as, as Paul is saying, I, you're like, Timothy's like a son to me. I'm like his spiritual father. He's my spiritual son. And there's a few passages about that. I want to just say that most pastors that I know, including myself, are looking for spiritual sons and daughters. People that will flow with the Spirit of God and be willing to do and join forces with, with the overall movement of the church. just want to throw that out there. But anyway, I've entitled the message today, Drink Offering. And uh, that needs some explanation. It's an Old Testament term. But first of all, if you look back in chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, this is a little passage about Jesus who, uh, who uh, came and emptied himself and uh, poured out his life, poured out his glory from heaven, came to earth and dwelt among us. Uh, and Paul says in verse number 5, he said, let this mind or let this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who gave his life as, a, as an offering. And uh, so in the next several verses, uh, in fact, even farther than what we read, we have some examples of, of uh, Paul and Timothy and uh, uh, Aphrodite who were examples of people. Use the mic, okay. Sorry about that. Uh, who were examples of people who had the mind of Christ. So the backdrop here, a drink offering. Most of the people in the church of Philippi were not Jews. They were Gentile converts. They were people who were not Jewish. They were basically heathen, pagan people, but they accepted the Lord. But some of them were Jewish. And in any case, in that culture of Philippi, in that area, uh, most people knew the Jewish culture because it was pretty, pretty dominant. And most people who were in the church knew about Paul's culture of being Jewish who was 
uh, transformed and accepted Jesus as his Messiah. So I'm gonna, we're going to go through this verse by verse like we do. And then at the end of this, I want to give you five questions to ask yourself to see if, you're, if your life is, would be considered as a drink offering. So you may not know what I'm talking about yet, but hang, hang in there with me. So verse number 17. Uh, I'm being poured, if I'm being poured out as a drink offering. Well, the, verse 17 follows, of course, verse 16. And verse 16 says he's encouraging the people, hold, forth, hold fast the word of life. Keep, keep the gospel in your heart so that when I come visit you and I, I'm with you, I'll know, and when Jesus returns, I will know that my labor among you has not been in vain. So in verse 17, he's kind of following up with that thought. Uh, if I'm being poured out as a drink offering, in other words, my labor is being, is being considered a drink offering. Um, uh, so it's being a, a drink offering that's being poured upon the sacrifice and service of your faith. Now, most of us have no idea what he's talking about. So I need to explain to you what he's talking about. The first time we hear about a drink offering is way back in Genesis, before the law was ever given. It's Genesis 35, verse 14. We see, we see Jacob, uh, who was meeting with God. He had a special place where he met with God. And it says, as he was meeting with God there, uh, he, he had a pillar of stone. He had a, an altar. And at that place, he poured out a drink offering onto that place where he met with God. And then he poured oil on top of it. Basically, all it was was a way of doing something special for God. It, it smelled good. It, it, it looked nice. It was, it was clean. It was, it was holy. It was a, a way to consecrate the area where he was meeting with God. Later, we find out in the, in the law, which we won't look at right now, but when the law was given, drink offerings were a part of the law. Drink offerings were... Uh, were basically wine or some beverage. Now listen to this. That was actually poured over the animal sacrifices or the grain offerings. So they would, they would make the fire and put the animal and make a sacrifice to the Lord. Then you get this drink offering and pour it on the fire. And what happens when you pour water or liquid on a fire? It sizzles, it burns, it gets smoky. And so they had it like uh, seasoned with something that it smelled good. It gave a fire. It enhanced the offering. It was like, here's the offering, Lord, but now here's the drink offering on top of it. We're pouring that out to bless you. And it goes, and it was pleasing to the Lord. Part of the law. But then still later than that, in Isaiah, in the great messianic chapter, Isaiah 53, we read that Christ will be poured out. Christ will pour out uh, his soul unto death. So it's the same type of thing where there's a pouring out, a drink offering unto death. In Luke twenty-two twenty, we read Jesus said this, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is being poured out for you or shed for you. He said that at the Last Supper. So we get this idea that the drink offering was, was something that was poured out upon a sacrifice to enhance the sacrifice. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. His body and blood was shed, but his soul was poured out as a drink offering, you could say, on top of the body and blood that was given, pleasing to the Father. So when Paul says in verse 17, if I'm being poured out as a drink offering, 
What he's saying is, I, I'm pouring out my life. I'm giving my life to you, Philippians. Not only the Philippians. He's given his life to everyone he, he ministered to. He poured out his life as a drink offering. But interestingly, it says, on the sacrifice and service of your faith. So what he's making a, an analogy here that the faith of the Philippians was considered to be a sacrifice and service. And he was pouring his drink offering on top of that to enhance it and make them one and make it even better. And so he's saying, um, you know, I, if, if, uh, if I'm being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, he says, I'm doing it gladly and I rejoice in it. So two things we could think about right here. Number one is, what we do with our salvation after we get saved matters. And so this message is going to be about, are, we, are our lives a drink offering on someone else's life, like Paul's? The second thing is, is that our faith, the acting out of our faith, can be likened to a sacrifice and service unto God, as though we were saying, thank you, Lord, for saving me. In other words, my obedience to God is my way of saying, thank you, Lord, for saving me. The sacrifices I make to serve God. The, let me bring it home. The sacrifices I make to get into church on Sunday and to fellowship with the saints of God. The sacrifices I make in life to serve you. Is, it's like a way of saying, Lord, thank you. This is my offering back to you. Now, some people get a little bit hung up on, on doing things for the Lord when, when really it's not... It's, it's really not even how much you read or how much you study or how long you pray for. It's your heart. It's a heart matter. I think I told you some years ago, I was on this roll of praying for an hour a day. And by golly, I prayed for an hour a day every day for like a year and a half. Towards the end of it, the last three, three months or so, it was really killing me. It became a law unto me. I'd go to bed at night and say, ah, I didn't pray for my hour. Get up at, you know, whatever, 11 o'clock, and go somewhere and pray for an hour, and then go back to sleep. I was, like, obsessed with this. It became a, a law unto myself. God's not looking for that. He's looking for a heart that's just consecrated to him. And so what I'm saying is, you know, when we come to faith in God, the way we live our lives, it, it could be as simple as turning the channel of something you, you shouldn't be watching. It could be uh, unfriending or less of a friend to certain people that you know are going to bring you down. It could be what you listen to on the radio or whatever. It could be a lot of different things. But the little acts that you do to make God know that you're serious about him, that only he sees, that's your sacrifice. That's your service to the Lord. What Paul is saying, I'm, I'm pouring out my life as a drink offering on top of all of that to enhance your offering to the Lord. Plus, it binds us together. And I, I ponder. Can we say that? Can, have we poured out our lives? Have we enhanced the lives of other Christians? Do we fight for each other? Or do we fight with each other? Oh, now I'm preaching. Do we fight for each other? Or do we fight with each other? I hope that we fight for each other. Do we mesh with each other? Do we become one? Think of a drink offering being poured on a fire. You can't distinguish which one is which anymore. They're all the same. And that's what Paul is saying. My life is enmeshed with yours. 
And verse number 18, we're just going to go down this list here. Verse number 18, for the same reason, you also be glad. You rejoice with me. In other words, he's saying, don't be upset or don't feel bad for me that I've given my life for you. Feel happy that I've given my life as a drink offer. I'm happy. You should be happy with me. Rejoice with me. We're in this together. We're united in Christ. And he goes, continues on in verse number 19. Now, verse number 19 gives a, the second example of someone whose life was a drink offering. That's Timothy. Verse 25 talks about uh, Epaphroditus, who's another one. We'll get to that next week, Lord willing. But Timothy is one whose life was sold out to the Lord. He says in verse 19, uh, I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. Remember, Paul's in prison in Rome. Remember the whole story, the backdrop? Timothy's visiting Paul at the prison in Rome. And Paul's telling these Philippians, I'm going to send Timothy to you because he's going to go see you. And when he comes back to me in prison, his words are going to encourage me. I like that. He's going to get news and come back. And, uh, and, and tell me things that will encourage me. Timothy's life was sold out to the Lord and was really sold out to Paul as well. So Timothy sees the value. He sees the important, verse number 20. I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. Timothy sees the value and the importance of taking care of, of the sheep of God. He, he, he says, Paul says, I have no one, I don't see anyone that will sincerely care for you. In other words, that will pray for you, help you, listen to you, teach you, care for you, be there for you. He goes on in verse number 21, and I think this is a little bit of a hyperbole, when he says, all seek their own. Well, I, I don't know if everybody, I don't, I don't know. But he's making a point. That most people in the gospel, in the ministry, many people seek their own. But Timothy has my heart. He's going to seek your goodwill and your, your blessing in your life. So he says, uh, verse 21, all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. So uh, they, they seek their own interest. Now, some of you may know people like this. You may know ministries like this. They seek their own interest, their own agenda, their own honor, their own glory, their own prestige, their own selfish ambition. And they're not seeking God's approval. They're seeking man's approval. These are not true servants of God. They're not really a drink offering to God. Timothy's the real deal. He would be considered a drink offering. He's sold out to God. He seeks the things of God, which are salvations, deliverances, healings, spiritual growth, deliverance, uh, deliverance from all sorts of bondage that could trip you up and affect your life forever. He's interested in the things of God, the Holy Spirit. So verse, let's see, where are we? Verse 21, I, I all seek, seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proof in character. You know Timothy's proof in character. That as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Let me give you a couple of references here. And, uh, the church knew Timothy. Can I tell you, reputation matters. Reputation is important. 1 Timothy 3.2 Timothy is referred to as our brother, a minister of God, a fellow laborer and encourager, one who establishes the believer in the faith. 
In Acts 16, 2, we read that Timothy was well spoken of by the brethren, by the believers uh, in uh, Lystra and Iconium. In Romans 16, 21, he's referred to as our fellow worker. And here, 22, verse 22, uh, as a son served with his father, he served in the gospel with me. 1 Corinthians 4, 7, Timothy's referred to as my beloved son. He's, he's faithful. He's loyal to me and to the Lord. And verse 23 and 24, Paul's saying, I'm going to send Timothy to you as soon as we can work this out. I'm going to send Timothy to you. And in verse 24, I trust that I'll be able to come to you as well. So all that to say, Timothy, I'm sorry, Paul is a drink offering. Timothy is a drink offering. They've given their lives to God, and now they're being used by God to make a difference in somebody else's life. Can I get an amen right there? Now listen, many years ago when I first received Jesus, I had no clue that this verse was even in the Bible, this passage. I didn't know, you put it this way, I didn't know what I was getting into. But when you come to Christ, your lives are radically transformed by the Holy Spirit. Only God knows what your future will hold. But a lot of that depends on how much you surrender to God. And no one's going to twist your arm except the Holy Spirit. And he might. He may get you in a, in a situation where you realize you have no recourse. You've got to follow God or else you're really going to be miserable for the rest of your life. So I want to talk about this drink offering. And uh, I want to talk about the value of a full commitment to the Lord. Now, for me personally... Pamela and I accepted Jesus back in those days. We just began going to church. We began studying the Bible, began singing the songs and worshiping God and began to understand what that was all about. I never thought it would go any farther than that. I just thought I was a guy that got saved, got right with God. But everyone that I met along the way had these testimonies, how God changed their lives really changed their lives. And, you know, where I come from, my family, I come from a nice family, a nice environment where I came from. A lot of people where I grew up are doing very well in life. It wasn't like, you know, I mean, I had some troubles. I had, I had troubles, but there are many people that are doing well in life without Jesus. You know that? Their eternity is at stake, but in this life they're doing Okay. I wasn't like that. I had to go all in or nothing. I had to give everything to God because I have these tendencies to go backwards, don't you? In the way you think, the way you do. Like when, I, when the pressure's on, you know, when the pressure's on, we tend to go back to what we're familiar with. What we're familiar with is usually sin. And, and life is filled with pressure, financial pressure, Raising a family pressure, working, all these different things. There's pressure, there's tension. And if we're not sold out to God, we will probably relapse time and time and time again. Oh, God will be there to help us. But he, wants, he has more for us, I believe. So I want to I ask you some questions. And uh, with this in mind, Paul said in Galatians, he said, it's no longer I that live but Christ that lives in me. I wonder if, if you could say that today. It's no longer I that live. I'm not living anymore. It's Christ living in me. 
personally, there's people back in my home area that are saying, what happened to Rick Amendola? Who is he? I had my own cousin say, I don't even recognize you when you preach. My own cousin. You're a different person. I said, yeah, hallelujah. You're right. <laughs> yeah. And she said, wow, I don't know, I don't know this Ricky. Well, this is, this is the new Ricky. Paul said, all things have become new. Paul said, you know, we have new life, new hope, new purpose. Do you believe that? You see, we, a lot of us want that without paying the price of being the drink offering. We want to get all this good stuff from God without doing our part. I mean, verse number 12, we read it a few weeks ago. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You want to be blessed by God? You've got to do something. Now, God's there, but he wants you to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Run after God. Do the things that the Word of God talks about. And if you blow it, get on your knees and repent and get on with it. Too many people dwell in the negative, sinful condition. It's time to get up off of that and get on with God. If you believe God, you, you must believe that he is a God that forgives us when we mess up again and again and again and until we meet him in, e in eternity. But he's faithful. That's what I call the reckless love of God. And our response is, nothing will take my hallelujah. I don't care what kind of week I had. I'm going to church. I'm worshiping God. I don't care what happened on last Thursday or whatever. I I'm pressing into God. It doesn't matter what my life was during the week. If I've got to crawl, I'm going to get to the house of God. I want to be around the people of faith that worship God. I want to be around people that pray to God, that understand God, that will pray for me and love me through my issues, which is a 46-year ordeal, to tell you the truth. I want people around me that understand what I'm dealing with. Don't you? And so if we're in that mode, if we're in that, 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 that motion of just coming to God, pouring out your life, when you get into that mode, I'll guarantee you, you're going to meet somebody whose life you could speak into. Because when they see you dealing with it and you're still dealing with it, but you're moving on with God, they're going to want what you have. That's pouring your drink offering onto their sacrifice. They need a little help. I'm going to give you five questions to think about to see where you are in this quest to follow Jesus. Remember verses 6, 7, and 8, chapter 2. Jesus, it says, uh, he, made, he made himself of no reputation, right? Taking the form of a bondservant. Some translations say that he emptied himself. He poured out himself. He left glory and lived on earth and, and became a bondservant. That's the example we're following. Paul did it. Timothy did it. Uh, Ephroditus did it and others. But I, I'm, what I'm saying today is, are we doing it? I want to do it. I want you to do it. Here's number one. First question. Am I pouring out to someone? Am I pouring out to someone? Am I affecting someone positively with my life and with my faith? Do I have any impact on anybody? Now listen, it could be your kids. It could be your siblings. It could be your parents. It could be your co-worker. It could be your friend from childhood. It could be anybody. But is your faith, is your life affecting anybody? That's what I'm saying. Are you pouring out to anybody? 
Jesus, I just read verse 7, he emptied himself. Paul in verse 17 says, I'm being poured out as a drink offering. Timothy is like-minded. And so I have to ask my question, who am I pouring into? Am I blessing anybody? Am I enhancing anyone's life? Am I helping anybody? Is my offering being poured, my drink offering being poured upon someone's life and someone's life that I may know, someone you may know? Their life is just characterized by pain and sorrow and heartbreak. They've got issues. Are you helping them or hurting them? See, I want my drink offering to be poured upon their sacrifice. They're doing the best they can, coming to church whenever, or just hanging on to the Lord by the, by the skin of their teeth, so to speak. But they're just hanging on. Are we enhancing them? Or are we saying, man, what's the matter with you? What Paul is saying here, I want my drink offering to enhance your sacrifice. So are you, am I, am I blessing anybody? Am I helping? Is my faith making a difference in anybody's life? Now, this is designed for the church, by the way. We could get into a whole other thing about reaching the unsaved. That's a whole other aspect. This is for the saved. Is our, is our life helping the body of Christ? That's what he's saying. Let me give some, some examples in the New Testament of people that, whose life was poured out. It doesn't say it, but it alludes to it. Mary, the mother of Jesus. I'm going to be a mother. I haven't known anybody. Well, well let, not my, let your will be done. As you say, Lord, let it be done. Her life was affected for the rest of her life. Peter and Andrew and James and John, four great, two sets of brothers, four great fishermen, gave their lives up let go of the fishing trade to become fishers of men. Their lives are still affecting people today. Think of Barnabas, the encourager. He encouraged Paul when Paul got saved. He encouraged John Mark when John Mark had a problem with Paul over an issue of spiritual warfare. He encouraged the Antioch church. He was sent as, a, as a, an envoy to encourage the church in Antioch by the brothers in Jerusalem. Priscilla and Aquila. They listened to Apollos preach, and Apollos was a learned man, but they told him a more excellent way. They poured into his life, and we believe they told him about Pentecost. He preached the, the gospel, but he left out Pentecost. So they poured in, and they helped him do better in his ministry. So the first question is, a drink offering, are you pouring out to anyone? Number two is this. Is it on the screen yet? Am I glad when I do? Because Paul makes it a point in verse 17. I'm glad and I rejoice with you all that I'm a drink offering. I'm happy. On the contrary, and we addressed this a few weeks ago when we looked at verse number 14, do all things without complaining and disputing or grumbling. But some are grumpy, some are moody, some are sullen, and some are isolated and don't want to get involved with people. Now, can I be honest with you? Sometimes I, I'm in that realm, I, I confess. My wife will tell me, get out of the realm. You're retreating right now. Come on out. Come on back out into the light. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Grumpy. Oh. That one word says a lot, but I, I, won't, I won't go into that. But verse 14, 
do all things without complaining. Let me, let me tell you what other great people in the Bible said about this topic. Jesus, Jesus said in John 6, 43, do not murmur among yourselves. Wow. I don't know if I ever really caught that before, but he said it flat out. Don't murmur, gossip, bicker, whatever, among your, he's talking to the church. You mean the church does that? Yeah. Take the veil down. James says, James 5, 8, and 9, be patient. That's a whole nother thing. Be patient. Establish your, your hearts and don't grumble against one another. I like that, but it's hard to do. But he says, be patient and establish your hearts. When you're patient and establish your hearts, you'll be less likely to grumble against one another because you realize you're the same way. It's just that right now you're having a good day and they're having a bad day, but your day's coming next week. Don't worry about it. You'll be, you'll be on the chopping block. Peter says in 1 Peter 4, 9, be hospitable to one another. But then he throws in these words, without grumbling. Like, oh, I want to be hospitable and entertain and help people and have a bad attitude with it? No, don't, don't grumble. If you're going to do that, do it with a good heart. And let your face know that your heart is good. Because your face will give away where your heart is. Hello? Oh, I want to bless everybody. And the look on your face says, I want to kill everybody. You know what I'm saying. Be hospitable, but without grumbling. It's like, you, how do you have the two together? But I guess you, you can. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10.10, he was saying, comparing the Old Testament characters, uh, he said, don't complain like they did, for some of them were destroyed by the destroyer. So you can see the complaining could lead to a rebellion against God, and then you lose everything. I'm just saying, uh, if, you're, if you're pouring out to somebody, are you doing it with the right heart and the right attitude? Are you glad to do it? Or are you holding on to it like, man, I can't take it. I can't take this guy anymore. I can't take this situation anymore. No, Paul said, I'm glad. I rejoice that I'm pouring on to your sacrifice and your service to the Lord. What a great attitude. Proverbs 17, 22. This is my, one of my wife's favorite scriptures. A merry heart does the heart good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. You get the point? Being joyful, happy, merry. It, it's like a medicine. And, you know, if, if you got it going, your medicine will affect somebody else that may need that touch on their lives. But a broken spirit, a downcast, complaining spirit dries the bones. I have to tell you, my bones have been feeling a little dry lately myself, but it's from working out too much at the gym. I did some things that I hadn't done in a while. I'm telling you, my back, my hips, I thought I dislocated my hip or something. But to have, have dry bones is a terrible thing. But a broken spirit will make you feel old and grouchy and complaining. But, but a, a happy heart, a glad heart will bring joy to your whole spirit. Well, how do you get that? We'll get to that in a minute, but that's the point. Are you, are you pouring out with a glad heart? Number three is this. You might be asking, and I want to go to Luke chapter 6 with this, if you have your Bible or your app. I don't have it on the screen, but you, or you could just listen to me. But in Luke chapter 6, the question is, what do I have to pour out? Someone may be, you might be sitting there saying, man, I don't have anything to give anybody. I don't have anything. I have no money. 
I have nothing. I have, I'm just getting by. Every day is a struggle. But again, in the context of a, of a Christian environment, if you belong to Christ, guess what? You've got the Holy Spirit in you. If you belong to Jesus, the Word of God says, you are a new creation. If you belong to Jesus, you are born again. That's why, like, I, I, this weekend for me, I, I, I was born again on Memorial Day weekend, way back in the day. My life radically changed for the glory of God. I'm telling you, my life is different. Not only that day, but my whole life since then has been affected by that one decision to come to Christ. But if if we've come to Christ, the Spirit of the Lord dwells in us by which we cry out, Abba, Father, and we know we're connected. That's why when we worship God like this morning, when we were worshiping God, the presence of the Lord was so thick in here. Why, why, what do we, it's like there's something in us that says yes and amen. I know God is here. But in Luke chapter 6, what can you give? What can you pour out to people? If you're a Christian, listen to this. Verse number 27. I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit. You can give your love away. It says love your enemies. You can give your goodness away. Do good to those who hate you. You may not have anything tangible. you got love in your heart. Give your love away. Give your goodness away. I, that, that's, a, that's a tough challenge, but do good to those that hate you. Verse 28 says, uh, bless those who curse you. Give your blessing away. And, uh, and then pray, let's see, verse 20, pray for those who spitefully use you. You see what Jesus is saying? you got something in your heart. You're a Christian man or a Christian woman. you got love in your heart. you got goodness in your heart. You've got grace and mercy. You know, bless other people. You can pray for people. Verse 29, uh, he who strikes you on the, on the cheek, give the other one. And from him who takes your cloak, uh, do not withhold t- your tunic either. Give your, give your things away. Uh, give your whatever you have, away. Verse 29, uh, give your grace and mercy. God has been graceful and merciful to you. Give that away. Someone hurts you, someone fights with you or whatever causes the problem, turn the other cheek and give grace and mercy away. This is what I mean. This is what Paul is saying. A drink offering, pouring out to others. Verse 30, just to paraphrase, whatever you have, give it up, give it away. But the question within this question is, What's in your heart? Because you could do these things with the wrong heart, and they don't amount to a whole lot. But if your heart is good, if you've been redeemed by the Lord, you walk redeemed. If you've been redeemed by the Lord, you walk humbly. If you've been redeemed by the Lord, you walk circumspectly. If you've been redeemed, you walk aware of the needs of people around you. And you may not, Peter said it best, I don't have silver and gold. But in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. I'll pray for you. I'll help you along the way. Romans 12, 2, one of our favorite scriptures. Do not be conformed to this world or this way of thinking, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you'll know that good and perfect, acceptable will of God for your life. You have to figure out what you have, who you are. Getting the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who poured out his life as a blessing. 
So what do you have to give? You've got a lot to give because you're a Christian. Number four is this. Number four is this, fourth question. Am I Timothy-like? Well, Timothy was Paul-like. Paul was Jesus-like, so it all kind of goes together. But verses 17 to 23, uh, verse number 19, I'm sorry, 19 to 23. Timothy was ready to do something helpful. Uh, Paul says, I want to send Timothy to you. Timothy's ready to go. He's willing to be a blessing to somebody. He's willing to pour out his life to those Philippians. And Paul knew he could count on Timothy to come back again and give him an encouraging word. Verse 20, he was like-minded as Paul. Uh, He had the same vision, same view as Paul had for the people. Someone who's like-minded or Timothy-like accepts the mission of the church. Let's not forget the mission of this church. I'll say it right now real quick. I should probably preach on it before too long. But here here it is in a nutshell. People grow at new life. That's the mission of the church. People grow, get grounded in the word. People build relationships, G-R-O. People are outreach-oriented like that map in our missionaries. People worship the Lord, the W. They worship the Lord with passion. So someone's Timothy-like, they have the, the mind of the church. They have the mind of the leadership. They're supportive of the leaders of the church. They make it happen. They catch the vision. And verse 22 says that he has proven character. And so I would encourage the church, don't despise small beginnings. Start somewhere in serving the Lord. You may not be preaching, but there's a, there's a whole lot of other things that have to be done in the church to make the church function. Or are you pouring out your life? My first act of pouring out my life way back in those days was painting the church, the trim of the church, because I used to be a house painter. That's, that was my father's trade. That was my trade. And so the pastor said, we need to get these windows painted. I said, oh, I could do that. I poured out my life to do that. I did the best job I could do. But the Lord is looking for someone to be Timothy-like, that, th- that could be trusted to do something for the kingdom of God. So am I Timothy-like? The last one is this. Verse number 24, Paul says, uh, well, where am I? Paul says, uh, I trust in the Lord that I myself shall come to you shortly. Uh, It's amazing to me that Paul is willing to go visit these Philippians. The, the The fifth reason is this, or the fifth question is this, how can I get filled up? But Paul is in prison. He's in Rome. He's still ready and willing to give his life away. So point number one in this one is circumstances don't matter. How do I get filled up? It's not your circumstances. There will, there will never be perfect circumstances to do anything for the kingdom of God. Circumstances are important, but we can't base our ministry or our life our life's calling upon our circumstances. If that were the case, nothing would happen, to tell you the truth. There have been many times on a Sunday, I come in here to preach, you all don't even know what I went through on Saturday or Friday, and you don't need to know. But circumstances don't dictate what we do. The Holy Spirit dictates what we do. So he's in prison. 
He's still willing and able to visit. Well, not able, but when he's able, he's going to go. He's writing a positive, encouraging letter. And, and note that because he couldn't get there physically didn't deter him from doing something. He wrote a letter. And his letter is one of encouragement, love, blessing them. So he's unable to meet them physically, but he decides to, to write a letter to them. And what can we do today? My goodness, we have so many means of communication, whether it be emails or texts, or live stream, or Zoom, or Instagram, or whatever we have, we can communicate with people and pour into people that way. So here's Paul's facing death. He's still happy. He's still encouraging. I want to go over to chapter 4 real quick and finish this up. But how, how do I get filled up so that I have something to give? Well, part of it, it comes with the territory of being a Christian. We have Christ in our heart. That's number one. But in verse, chapter 4, verse number 8, Paul gives some practical advice. He says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. You know what a big problem today is? We meditate on the wrong things. Many of us are preoccupied with the news of the world. And the news that I see is very negative, very heart-wrenching, very uh, gruesome sometimes. But Paul is saying, you want to have something to give? you got to get your mind right. you got to meditate on positive, good things. He says in verse number, uh, verse number 12, he says, I, I know how to be abased. I know how to, uh, I know how to abound. I, I, I've learned how to be content whether I'm up or down, whether things are going for me or going against me. I'm content where I am. We've got to learn to be content where we are in Christ because Christ is our sustenance. Christ will keep us bound and stable in spite of what goes on around us. In verse number, uh, verse number 18, chapter 4, he says, I, now he's in prison, probably chained up. I have all and I abound. I'm full. I'm full. Even though in the physical he was bound up and in prison. So how can we get that attitude, get that going? Man, we've got to get alone with God and recognize our blessings as a child of God. Get within the body of Christ, worship together like today, pray together, run this race together. So it's not the way our circumstances are. It's how we think. It's our attitude. It's our, it's our outlook on life. So let me, uh, let me conclude here. Is your life a drink offering? Is your life meaningful to somebody else? Is your life helpful to someone? Or are you always on the receiving end? Now, I'm not saying there are times when we need to be on the receiving end. But I think a balance would be healthy. We may be in a, situ a situation where we need to, someone to pour into us. Absolutely. Absolutely. But on the other hand, we need to be able to pour into other people's lives consistently. So those, those five areas, I would say it like this. Are you pouring out? Are you pouring out? It could be that person at work that you know God has put there in your life. No one else could reach them, but you're there as, a, as an ambassador for Christ, shedding the love of Christ to that one person. Are you glad about it? Or are you reluctant to show any joy or have any joy about giving to people? 
Do you know what you have? Are you Timothy-like? And do you know how you can get filled up? It's your attitude and disposition and your faith in God. So can we stand together? I want to encourage you this week to think of your lives as a drink offering. Let's read verses uh, 17 and 18. Can we do that? Are you ready? Verse 17. Yes, and if I'm being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. Your life is a drink offering for somebody. This week, try to pour your life onto someone else's faith and let it blend together to be a sweet aroma to the Lord. Every head bowed for just a moment. We had an altar call earlier, and I want to follow up with that right now. I want to ask if there's anybody here today that feels like I need to receive Jesus. I need Jesus in my life. I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm far away from God. I may not be the most terrible person, but I know I'm not right with God. And today I want to receive him as my own personal Lord and Savior. I'm going to ask if that's you today, I'm going to ask you to step out of your seat and come up here to the altar. And we'll have, we'll, I'll pray with you. I'll pray with you again. All right. Thank you, dear brother Juan. God bless you. Is there anybody else? I need to receive Jesus today. Amen. Thank you, ma'am. Anybody else? Anybody else? Listen, there's no age limit here. Most of us would say, man, I wish when I was 13, I had an opportunity to receive Jesus. Whatever. Is there anybody else here today? I need to receive Jesus. Okay, we're going to pray for you too. Just hang on, okay? Juanita, could you come and pray with us? Jason, come pray with us, brother. Just, I'm going to lead in prayer in just a minute. Here, here's my second question. You may be a Christian person, but you never thought of your life as a drink offering. It's going to take an extra step, an extra something to give your life as a drink offering. So I'm going to ask you to be brave. If you want prayer for that, come on up here. We'll pray for you today. Thank you. Amen. I need to be a drink. I want to be a drink. I want to be a blessing to somebody. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? All right. Look at this. This is good right here. Praise the Lord. I want to be a drink offering. I want to pour out my life on somebody to help them in their faith. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Okay. Now, everybody else, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to step out of your seat and just gather around the front here. Come on, everybody, everybody, whether you're new or old or whatever. Linda, if you could just put your hand on that dear sister right there. Jesus, pray with uh, Gianni. Lisa, you could pray with uh, Cece. Just put your hand on her, on her back. Come on, everybody, come on, step up. 
Hallelujah. Drink offering. I want to be a drink offering. I want to be a drink offering. I want my life to matter. I want my life to help somebody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <sighs> Praise the Lord. Edna, why don't you come up and just lay your hands on this lady right here. Praise the Lord. You can begin to pray. Just Hallelujah. I want to be a drink offering. Oh, God. I want to be a drink offering. Lord, I want my life to be pleasing to you. I want it to mesh with somebody else in, in the faith. I want our lives to blend together and to be pleasing to you. I want to be a drink offering, Lord. I want to pour out my life as an act of service to you and to my brothers and sisters. I want to pray, uh, I want to pour out my life as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and the service of other people that may be struggling. I want my life to enhance them and help them, not hurt them. Father, Lord, we thank you for this. Thank you for these dear people that came up to receive you today. And Lord, we all, in one accord, we, we come, have come to this place where we know we need a Savior. So we open up our heart. We receive you as our personal Lord and Savior today. Bless this woman. Bless this man that stepped out in front of everybody to say, I need God in my life. Bless them, Lord. And Lord, for everyone else that came up saying, I want to be a drink offering. I want to be a blessing to somebody. Lord, they have crossed a line and they have told you, Lord, I want to be used by you in a greater fashion. So we pray blessings over each one that stepped out in faith. And so, Lord, we pray that all of us in unity would be a drink offering unto you, that we would have somebody in our lives that we could pour into, that we could give love and goodness and kindness and prayers and grace and mercy away. Maybe some practical things, maybe some, some, uh, some things like, like a ride or like money or whatever. But Lord, let our lives make a difference in somebody else's life and faith. And so Lord, I pray that this message today, drink offering, would resonate in our spirits for a long season, Lord, that we would see the fruit of your word in our lives, that we all become Paul-like or Timothy-like, which are really Christ-like. Let us be like you, O oh God. As you poured out your life, let us now pour out our lives onto the body of Christ. So we give you thanks. We give you praise. We give you glory and honor, O oh God. And we look forward to what you're going to do. Hallelujah. 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 I'm going to ask everyone, just put your hand on the person next to you. Just begin to pray for them real quickly, just for a minute. Just lift them up. Lord, bless my brother. Bless my sister. Encourage them today, Lord. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Father God, Lord, we come to you with a repentant heart as well. Forgive us, Lord, for falling short. Forgive us, Lord, for not paying attention. Forgive us, Lord, for being rebellious sometimes. Forgive us, Lord, for being in the flesh when we know we're in the flesh, but we do it anyway. Forgive us, Lord, for a hardened heart. Fix us, Lord. Fix us. We call upon you, Lord. Deliver us, O oh God. 
Let us be your people. Let us be the people of God, not perfect, but being changed from glory to glory. Let us be better today than we were yesterday, oh God. Let us be better tomorrow than we are today. We just welcome your Holy Spirit, Lord. On Pentecost Sunday, Lord, I want to pray for Pentecost to become real for all of us. I want to pray, Lord, in addition to salvation, which is a work of your Holy Spirit, we would now be filled to overflowing with your Holy Spirit as he comes upon us to be a witness for you, oh God. Let your Holy Spirit come upon your church, oh God. I know that you're in the church, but now come upon your church, oh God. Let there be an initial evidence of, yes, speaking in tongues and consecration to you. May the gifts of the Holy Spirit be in operation, oh God, within the fellowship. But Lord, may this congregation be a Pentecostal congregation that's filled with the Spirit of God, overflowing with the Spirit of God, that we may be empowered to be a witness for you in these last days. Lord, let us be a witness for you in our Jerusalem, which is Haverhill, or surrounding areas, or maybe a little further out in our county, or in our state, or on the East Coast, but to all the world, let us be a witness for you, O God. Bless our efforts to make a difference. Bless our efforts to make a difference, O God. Father, we pray for leaving the streets. We pray for common ground. We pray for Somebody Cares New England. We pray for Pregnancy Care Center. We pray for Salvation Army. Lord, all these ministries that are doing a grounds-level work in our city, Lord, bless them. Encourage them today in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray for our missionaries over on that map. Bless them. Bless our efforts to support them financially, O God. But let us be a Pentecostal church that has a vision to reach the lost until you come back, O God. So we thank you, Lord. We give you the praise and the glory today. Acts 1.8 says, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the outermost parts of the world. Acts 2, 4 says, as they were waiting in the upper room, the Spirit of God fell upon them. They all began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And Lord, in that, in that chapter 2, Peter began to preach the word of God and thousands of people received you as Lord. Father, we pray for that Pentecostal anointing in our fellowship, oh God. We have the goods. We have the message. We have the word of God. Lord, empower us. Wake us up. Shake us up out of apathy, oh God. Let us be hungry for the things of God in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Father, right now, as we conclude this, I'm I'm just going to commission everybody. Lord, as you commissioned the the apostles, you commissioned the 120 to go out, I'm commissioning this church to go out these doors. And, And as soon as we go out these doors, we're in a mission field. Whether it's our neighbor, our co-worker, people at the store, whatever, let our light shine so bright so bright, without even saying anything. Let the countenance of our faith be such that people would know there's something different about us. I believe that could happen, Lord. Let us be, let us be filled with the glory of God, that where we walk and where we talk will make a difference, oh God. Lord, let us get out of our negativity. Let us get out of the way of the world that's all negative and violent and, and sensual and immoral. Let us get out of all that, Lord. Let us walk with you. Let us walk with you in holiness. Protect us, Lord. And again, we repent of those things, but we come before you, Lord. Fill us to overflowing today. 
Let us, let us make a difference in somebody's life. We pray for our unsaved loved ones, Lord. Save them, heal them, deliver them. May the presence of God convict them of sin and a need for a Savior. And so we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We look forward to what you're going to do. Hallelujah. Bless our day, Lord. Bless our day. Bless our evening prayer at 6 on the live stream. Bless our day tomorrow. It's a holiday. But let us remember the goodness of God for our nation. Let us remember the goodness of God that gives us the Holy Spirit. Let us be a good witness for you, Lord. I thank you for it. I pray it in Jesus' name today. Hallelujah. And everybody said amen Amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Listen, you don't have to go. You could, you could go if you want to or if you have to. But you could stay if you want to or you have to. <laughs>